You're listening to episode 165 of the Tennis Files podcast. Six ways to attack the net. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. My name is Mirban Iranshad, a former Division I college tennis player. And on the show, I interview the world's top pros, coaches, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. But today, I actually have another solo episode for you. Um, I often kind of intersperse these with my interviews, which I enjoy a lot, but I also enjoy connecting with you one-on-one through these solo episodes. And uh, as you have heard in the intro, we're going to talk about six ways to attack the net. And to give you a bit of background about me, uh, hopefully to inspire you, especially those of you who may not be very well versed with attacking the net or you're not really sure um, this of the best ways to do it or you just simply think that you don't have the ability to, I have always been a baseliner ever since I first started playing tennis. And moving forward and attacking the net has definitely not been natural for me. In fact, I used to grind away from the baseline mercilessly and I never would move forward unless I was pretty much drop-shotted. That was basically the only time that I would move up to the net. And so my entire game until I was probably in the 18s age division was predicated upon reacting to my opponent's shots and then just making as many balls as I could. So I was just a wall and I was not missing very much at all and forcing my opponents to miss shots. And, you know, I would rip forehands when I could, but I never really thought about strategy much. I never really thought about taking advantage of short balls and coming to the net. And it was finally when I got to college at the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, where my head coach, Keith Perrier, who was actually my very first interview on the Tennis Files podcast, episode number two, many years ago. Uh, he showed me the fundamentals and the importance of attacking the net when the opportunity presents itself. And I vividly remember a match against our conference rivals, Stony Brook. We were in the America East Conference at the time, where I followed the directions of my head coach, Keith, and also my assistant coach, Matt Bilger, who was on episode 43 of the podcast. Uh, as you can see, I stay loyal to my coaches. Um, but They told me to concentrate on recognizing short balls and approaching the net um, on those balls instead of hanging out, staying back at the baseline, staying content. And the, the reason for this was to create pressure on my opponent. And I remember following their advice and pressuring my opponent into quite a few passing shot errors Either that or me somehow making the volley because back then, uh, frankly, my volleys weren't that great. But yeah, it it ended up uh, with me winning the match because of following the strategy put in place by my coaches, which was very valuable. And both my coaches and I were obviously very pleased with the 
executed game plan against one of our probably two biggest conference rivals, uh, Stony Brook. Yeah, that was pretty much the main one. Uh, there was another uh, school up in New York uh, that was that was really tough there. Um, but I tell you this story because it is really important, and it's important to brag about my wins. I mean, it's important to show you how even if you're not used to attacking the net, you can and should learn how to do it if you want to be more successful. Um, and yo, my not yo, but the other school that I meant to say was Binghamton, so I didn't want to leave them out. So Stony Brook and Binghamton were the tough ones, uh, the toughest ones that we played against. But um, back to my point that I'm being uh, that I'm making now is that if your opponents know that you aren't going to attack the net. Then when they are in trouble, let's say you push them very wide outside of the doubles line, they're still going to be comfortable and they can hit even a lower quality ball back in the court and still be in decent shape. In fact, I remember playing certain opponents that will go unnamed, actually one of them who improved a lot since then, but um, I knew that you know this individual was never going to attack the net. Uh, so when I was pushed wide, I was very comfortable. You know, I would just hit a a slice and uh, be able to get back in the court with no pressure. Um, but compare that situation with being out of position and knowing that your opponent is going to be rushing the net and taking time away from you and volleying your shot, which pretty much gives you half as much time to recover. Think about that. Think about also, you know, as another comparison, like you uh hitting against the wall uh way much closer right like the ball's coming back quicker so it's the same thing if an individual is hitting your shot from the baseline versus hitting your shot from the net uh you have way less time to recover so attacking the net creates pressure it creates errors and it's a game changer and with all this in mind i now want to present to you six ways to attack the net which i think are pretty simple but having these concepts in mind will help you play more aggressively. And so the first way to attack the net is to attack the net off of approachable short balls. And I, here's how I judge approachable short balls, okay? The main factors I think about are how deep or conversely how short they bounce into the court on your side and also how fast and how much spin do they have, do these balls have when you're receiving them? And there's also another factor that we should consider, which I'm going to talk about in point number two, but we'll focus on how deep or short the balls bounce and how fast and how much spin they have. And so some examples of these approachable short balls when you're trying to judge them is, um, let's say the ball bounces at the service line. It's fairly slow. There's not much spin on it. This is an obvious short ball that you must attack and go to the net on. And uh, let's compare that with maybe the ball bounces halfway in between the service line and the baseline. And there's pretty heavy spin on that ball. It's coming in at a moderate speed. Then I probably wouldn't consider that a very approachable short ball. And then you have kind of gray area situations. The ball bounces several feet past the service line. Uh, then you have to really uh, consider how much spin, how much speed is on that ball. And, uh, you know, if, if the ball is, is floating in this scenario, 
then you want to attack it and come to the net. But if it's a much heavier ball, obviously you will think of like, oh, you know, Rafa or Jack Sock, even though they hit it shorter, sometimes it's really, really heavy. And so it's may, it may not be the best ball to approach the net with. And then you also want to now go into um, the second consideration when attacking the net, which is looking at your opponent and whether they're out of position. And in my latest approach shot strategy YouTube video, which you can check out at tennisfiles.com slash YouTube, that's T-E-N-N-I-S-F-I-L-E-S dot com slash YouTube, there was one point in particular that I can remember where the player hit an approach shot when he was A, behind the baseline, and B, his opponent was chilling in the middle of the court, just ready for anything. And this is a bad time to approach the net. Um, in, in this case, the individual, um, again, he was behind the baseline, he hit a, a shot, and then he decided to just charge the net, and his opponent was in a great position to then go just move a few steps, really, because he was in the middle of the court, move a few steps to his left, I believe, as a righty, and hit a backhand, forcing the player to hit a half volley at his back foot. So that was not great because the player uh, wasn't able to be in a very offensive position, and conversely, his opponent who was hitting the passing shot was in a a very offensive position. So consider where your opponent is on the court when you're deciding whether to attack the net. And so the more the opponent is out of position, let's say near or outside the double sideline, then the wider range of balls that you can approach the net from. So if we look at the first consideration I mentioned with the how deep and short the ball bounces and, and how fast and how much spin the ball has. Balls that land a little bit deeper with, you know, some spin and some pace can still be treated as a more approachable short uh a more approachable ball to the net if the opponent is out of position, because obviously um you're still at a very advantageous position in comparison to your opponent, so you can hit the ball get up to the net and then when that player is now sprinting to hit the passing shot and you know want to have a very powerful base to hit the shot on unless they're an amazing athlete then you will be able to um, get that ball and then cut the time off from your opponent reacting to your volley. So if your opponent is way off the court you should get to the net off a I'd say a majority of shots unless you are somehow pushed back or in a very bad position from their shot. So actually, you know, obviously they would have had to hit a really good shot at that point. All right. So the third way to attack the net, and you know, maybe there are others out there that I don't cover today. And in that case, feel free to email me or uh, leave a comment or whatnot. Uh, Mirban at tennisfiles.com. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N at tennisfiles.com. The third way to attack the net is to serve and volley. And I know a lot of you out there are uncomfortable with it. I was also uncomfortable with it for a while. I would actually try to serve and volley and then brick a few volleys and then just say, you know, the heck with this. Uh, People are watching me and uh, I don't want to look bad. However, I finally overcame that that issue, you know, that fear that we all have to push past the, the element of fear and then on the other side are great things. 
I said, you know what? I don't care what people are thinking. I'm going to serve in volley over and over again. And I'm going to get the skill down and it's going to be worth, you know, just imagining that, you know, and a lot of times we think that people are judging us, you know, when we're playing, but in reality, most of them don't care or they're just paying attention to their own games or, or whatever. So it's best that you practice the skills you need to irrespective of uh, extraneous uh, factors and distractions. So I kept serving and volleying and, you know, I've been able to use this play at critical junctures now because I practiced it. So, um, but serving and volleying is an obvious way to attack the net as a server. And we need to make sure that we hit the right serves to get us makeable and high percentage volleys. So that's, that's really important. You know, when you're serving, you're thinking, how can I set myself up for that volley? You're not you know, going for the ace or whatever um, when you're trying to serve in volley. I mean, sure, it's great, but that's how you should be thinking as to how can I set up a a very advantageous volley um, that can win me the point or, you know, get me set up for another volley that will then be the winner, perhaps. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. So... Here are some considerations when we are serving and volleying. Uh, one is, what is your opponent's weaker shot? For example, do they have a worse backhand or a worse forehand return? And one is, do they tend to slice their backhand return a lot? Because obviously, you know, most slices, are, especially at the amateur level, are not these, uh, you know, super biting, like razor thin, low to the net, uh, top of the net tape type of offensive slices. A lot of times they're going to be popped up. So if you can hit a fairly effective, heavy serve to the backhand, perhaps, or whatever side that they slice, uh, then you can set yourself up with a great volley. And also another consideration when you're serving is how close am I getting to the net off of my serves before I'm able to hit a volley? So when I was discussing this, and my my friend Victor brought this up one time when we were playing doubles, if you find that you're hitting your volleys when you serve in volley from behind the the service line when when you uh, rush the net after your serve, you may actually want to slow down your serve and hit more spin on it. And please don't confuse slowing down your serve with swinging slower on your serve, but you you always want to swing fast, keep your swing speed high on your serve, but instead you're hitting a kick serve or a slice serve, and this will give you additional time to get closer to the net. This is similar in one of my previous uh, seven do's and don'ts for single strategy to when you're in trouble uh, when you're rallying, uh, you're playing a match and you're out of the court uh, or out of position rather than, you know, a great choice would be to hit a looping, spinny, top spinny um, shot back because that loopiness, that height gives you extra time to get back into position. Uh, same thing as well, you know, hitting a slice 
I, I prefer hitting that loopy shot if you can, but um, either works. I think you get a little more time, you know, the higher you can hit the, the ball. But um, yeah, so it's the same concept here, you know, like think of, uh, you know, maybe your first serve and this time you, instead of smacking a flat serve and then uh, the ball whizzing by you while you're still running um, and you're at, you know, still like in the middle of the service line and the baseline, you hit a heavy kick serve, you hit a slice serve, you know, that equates to less MPHs, but then it gives you just that extra time to get closer to the net so that you're not hitting a bunch of half volleys at your feet. You're hitting uh, more offensive volleys closer to the net. So think about that. And obviously, you know, you don't have to go right away to serving all exclusively kicks or slices. But if you find that you're getting caught with the returns, um, you know, farther back than you want, then change the serve up. Also think about and consider what are the opponent's return tendencies, excuse me, almost said tendencies. What are the opponent's return tendencies on each side? Um, each side being the forehand and backhand. So, uh, you know, obviously when you're serving, you want to think, oh, this person usually returns cross court or you, they, they've been going for the back end down the line a lot. So that'll help you in deciding where you should be moving, um, you know, once you serve or where you should be trying to anticipate the ball going. I also really like the serve wide um, and then attacking the net when you serve in volley. That's always a great play because when you can serve um, to the deuce side as a righty and the ad side as a lefty or, you know, switch it up, obviously reverse it if you're a lefty server, then your next volley, you can volley into the open court and then they're running and that's a very tough volley. You see that a lot. Um, that's my favorite play to throw in. You know, I, I obviously as a baseliner don't serve in volley when I'm playing singles a ton, but I will do it on occasion on certain points. And it will be a very helpful play. And sometimes you'll, as I mentioned, you'll you'll catch the opponent just hitting a, a, a little bit of a lazy slice backhand, perhaps, or a forehand, uh, usually the backhand, and then you can uh, pick it off easily at the net, provided you have the proper volleying fundamentals, or if you don't, but you can just get it in there. <laughs> so hopefully the former. Uh, and okay, so that is number three. The fourth way to attack the net uh, it, that not enough players use, in my opinion, is the slice approach shot. And with the slice approach shot, you can keep the ball low and it can be skidding if you have a good slice. And this way, it'll be much harder for your opponent to hit the passing shot and they'll have to hit up on the ball. If you Again, if you are able to execute a good slice approach shot, and this will give you a much better chance of hitting a, a more comfortable volley instead of, you know, the individual being able to crack a forehand or a backhand where the ball is significantly above the net. Yeah, pretty much. I was going to say waist level, but obviously, you know, the higher it is, the, the easier they can uh, hit a more offensive shot usually. And so it'll also be much harder for them to hit a dipper. You know, that's pretty much just like a fairly heavy topspin ball that dips way low uh, below the net once it crosses the net. 
And the slice approach shot is particularly effective against extreme grips. Uh, if you play against me, please don't do that. Thank you. But <laughs> uh, it's much harder to hit a pass off of a low ball, especially for these uh, these extreme grips. If you've seen, sometimes players have to you know totally change their swing path and like you know do the buggy whip um, in order to get the ball up. Sometimes for some of these extreme grips off of low balls. So I do like the slice approach shot. It's also a change up to the normal uh, shot that people, that players are receiving, you know, whether it's somewhat spinny or flat or whatever um, when they're trying to hit a a passing shot. So um, slice approach shot is a great, great choice. Another fundamental that I actually saw a couple times uh, and again, you know, if you go to tennisfiles.com slash YouTube, you can check out this approach shot video. I have to warn you, it is uh, about half an hour, which uh, you can tell I, I was enjoying it. And I analyzed eight points from a 4.5 singles match. But what I recognize uh, a couple times in, in that video is the player was actually approaching cross court. And Generally, it's not the best choice. The down the line approach shot is the percentage play, the smart play, the vast majority of the time because approaching cross court gives your opponent a wide open court. I mean, let's try to visualize. Let's say I'm a righty and I'm in the near court and uh, I have a short ball and then I choose to go cross court, especially the more I am to, to um, to the deuce side, to the deuce alley, let's say. When I hit a cross court approach shot now, you know, once the player is able to reach that ball, I mean, all they have to do is just basically bunt it straight, you know, bunt it in the open court. They have such a wide amount of open court if you approach cross court. Now, let's contrast that with you uh, getting this same shot, this forehand on the deuce side, short ball, and then you approach down the line. Now you, you've got that line covered, and then you can easily, you know, split step um, at the appropriate time right before the ball is being hit. And then you can uh, move towards the cross court, um, you know, because you're already giving them a very small space to hit on down the line. And then you can anticipate um, them going cross court, like I said. So it's a much more high percentage play. And of course, you know, now they have to hit a much more sharp and um you know wider cross court pass in order to pass you so yeah if you compare you know what i just said between those two scenarios you obviously would want to approach down the line i will say though if the opponent has a much weaker side you can feel free to to hit the approach shot on that side so if you just know that oh my opponent has a much weaker backhand, but I have to hit it cross court. If you know that they're going to cough up um, a floaty shot that you're, or floaty pass that you can just volley away, then you can feel free to do that. But yeah, I mean, I think that the down the line is the safe choice. So you can just kind of simplify it for yourself, uh, give yourself that rule, and then you can deviate from it if you're finding that it's not working out as well for you and you're somehow getting passed really easily using that formula. So that is number five. And then the sixth way 
I didn't want to forget my doubles bros and sisses. Uh, it's kind of a weird way to term that, but just just wipe that from your memory. I didn't want to ignore the doubles players out there uh, and leave them out in the cold in this episode. So uh, although, you know, some of these uh, strategies I mentioned do apply to doubles, but I want you to use doubles plays. And when I say doubles plays, I'm primarily talking about the poach, the I formation, and also the um, the cross two and returning. So you, when you're a returner, your partner who is uh, at the service line can signal that they're going to cross and you can affirm and then, you know, you can do that as well. But I love these plays. They're so effective. I mean, you've got the classic poach where you're signaling to your server partner that you're going to cross and then you pick off um, the, the return. And I-formation is just wonderful as well. It's highly versatile. You can call. Um, of course, you're going to call where the serve is being hit. You should always do that. But also, more importantly, well, as importantly, where you're going to be as the, if you're the net player and your partner is serving, you can uh, move to the left. You can move to the right. Yeah, I mean, you can even stay in the middle if you want. And these are great ways to just be very active at net and attack the net and cause chaos, as my friend Ian Westerman would say, and, um, you know, just be disruptive. And that way your opponents will really not know where they should be returning. They don't know where you're going to be. So that's a great way to do it. You'll notice that I didn't really mention the Australian. The Australian is not so much an attacking the net sort of play because, I mean, you're both going to be on the same side of the court. And then normally the the server is the one that is going to move to um, the opposite side. So let's say you, you're serving to the ad side. Your partner at the net is also going to be on the ad side. And then once you serve it, then you move as a server to the ad side. So you have that beautiful forehand that you can work off of. Then you're in this down the line pattern. And then you can do a few things, obviously, after that. However, you can do a, a form of the, maybe a reverse Australian, I'd say, where let's say, again, let's take the ad side serve and you and your partner are both on the ad side, but then instead of you going to that ad side, your, your net partner is going to cross back to that normal uh, spot where he or she would be. So then that way you could be a little more active and attacking the net. But on the whole, um, the poach, the affirmation, um, the the return poach plays, and the reverse Australian uh, are all great plays, doubles plays that you can use to attack the net. So those are the six ways to attack the net. And yeah, I'll just review them again. Uh, number one is to attack the net off of approachable short balls. Um, judging the the type of ball that you're getting, the speed spin and the depth. Uh, number two, the second way to attack the net is to attack when your opponent is out of position. Number three is to attack the net by serving and volleying. Number four is to attack the net with slice approach shots. Number five is to attack the net by approaching down the line or sometimes at the opponent's weakness. And the sixth way to attack the net is with doubles plays. So that is all for these six ways to attack the net. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a pleasure to 
to bring this to you. And um, I appreciate your support. And I would really, really appreciate it if, if you found this podcast episode helpful. If you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast, if you haven't already, um, we have a ton of subscribers and, you know, they do this because, I mean, to support the show, which I really appreciate, but also um, because the episodes are downloaded immediately to your podcast app of choice. You know, if you're on an iPhone and you're using Apple Podcasts or you're on, um, you know, Samsung Galaxy uh, and, and, for example an Android phone, and then you use Google Podcasts or Spotify, then and you subscribe, then the episodes will immediately be downloaded as soon as they're published to those apps. And uh, yeah, and it also helps the show a lot. The visibility uh, of the show is increased. And, you know, that's my mission is to try to reach as many people as possible with what I believe is high quality tennis information and advice and strategies and tactics. So um really would appreciate you subscribing to the Tennis Files podcast. And I also would like to leave you with a quote, as I often love to do at the end of the show. And this one is by Eleanor Roosevelt. And Eleanor said, with the new day comes new strength and new thoughts. And I love this quote because, you know, we obviously have tough days and weeks and months, sometimes years, but Every day is a new opportunity to do something great, to give back, to work on your strengths and your weaknesses, and to improve your tennis game, of course. And so that's why I really love the mornings um, because it's a new day and I can start off the day right with my morning routine and, you know, exercise, meditation, a cold shower, and reading and journaling um, and accomplishing things. So, I really love that quote there. And you can check out the show notes of this episode at tennisfiles.com slash 165. So we'll have a few links for you there, a few resources for you. And I also, again, would encourage you to check out my YouTube channel for the Approach Shot Strategy video where I analyze eight points from a 4.5 singles match. Uh, Specifically, of course, their approach shots, um, their strategy and how they handle it. And, you know, I give you some pointers on what they've done well with those approach shots and also what they haven't done so well. Uh, And I also, you know, comment about other shots during the points, but obviously concentrate on the approach shots. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much it. And uh, yeah, thanks again for listening to this episode. We've got some really great interviews coming up. I'm really excited to to present those to you. I'm also going to be uh, presenting uh, on a live stream with my great friend Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching uh, on Friday, this Friday anyway, uh, in September, late September. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, if you want to join my my community, um, my subscriber list, where I send out um, frequently send out tips and pieces of advice and alert you when I have new podcasts and live streams and you know a bunch of amazing free content and other content, premium content and so forth, then you can go to tennisfiles.com and simply subscribe with your first name and email address. So, alrighty then. Uh, what is that? Was that the mask? I can't even remember. Um, but <laughs> anyways, forget movies. I'm, I'm the worst at, uh, at citing movies. I didn't really watch many movies when I was a kid. Uh, I just played tennis and games and other things, but that's, that's uh, TMI there. Anyway, 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tennis Files podcast. And yeah, that is it for this week. So always take the right approach to attacking the net. That was a hidden pun for you there, which I just revealed. Um, I can tell I'm blabbering a little too much at the end here, but it was really fun doing this episode and I hope you took something away from it. So uh, definitely choose one or two of these. As I often like to say, you know, you listen to episodes, but you, you know, you don't want to just listen and then not act, right? So you want to take away at least one big point, one, two or three that, that will make the biggest impact and then choose one of those and work on them. Um, intentionally in your next practice and then eventually your matches and that is the way that you will truly improve by using your information and then acting upon it. All right, that's it for episode 165 and we'll see you soon. We'll see you on episode 166 very, very soon. This is Mirabhan Aranshad signing out. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.